At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super-light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super-light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super-light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. I miss you already. It's, um, it's a good thing we did this. It's a real good thing we did this. And uh, that's what I got for you. Stay cool, be well, and uh, just because I'm not here doesn't mean you can get away uh, without keeping your goddamn hands clean. So please, for the love of all that is holy, wash your fucking hands. Be good. Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast, is a weekly affair. Hold up, hold up. That was last week. That was last episode. That was the finale. You know? This is a new episode. It's uh, 116, Pods and Prologues. So I got a prologue for you. And uh, it's going to knock your fucking socks off. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Welcome to Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast. I wanna set How are you doing now that the uh, voyage is over of you, of the podcast? <clears throat> um, you know what? It's uh, well, this sort of threw a curveball at me, you know. Um, but uh, it was a it was a it was a fun trip. Like it was a really, I didn't know that it was a genre of podcasts. There's a whole bunch of other podcasts apparently that, you know, go through an artist's catalog one by one. But I discovered that yeah. along the way. But it's sort of a fun way to uh revisit your fandom, you know? Like to just start at the start and listen to totally. records again. Listen to records, right? You there still? Yep. Oops. Lost you for a second. Now now you're back. Can you, awesome. are you still um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see that. I mean, maybe not having any rule books makes it hard, but maybe you listen to some other ones and, <clears throat> and just learn as you go, 
feedback from other people, what they want to hear, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, all that stuff is is important. I mean, what was important to me too, though, um, like I've done a few podcasts at this point, now was for there to be some sort of story. So I got to ask you right off the bat. How does it fe- how does it feel to be a narrative device of an indie podcast? Um, I mean, I think all uh, bands, musicians are happy to have um, people taking their um, art uh, seriously enough to want to uh, talk about it and share it um, in a. Uh, that way you know that it's not not just background music or uh or just just music you know it like bleeds into our lives in other ways um in uh our relationships and our journeys or whatever i think that's cool oh wow well thanks (laughs) and thanks for thanks for doing this this is just phenomenal like i you know i'll get out of my own head here for a second but (laughs) this is uh this is pretty cool of you to do this well yeah some guys were uh some people uh put some i saw on my uh whatever on twitter some messages are like dude this guy has done a lot of a lot of labor and you, you should really just go on there. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you're probably wow. right. Wow. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but just, uh, yeah. Wow. That's like, really cool of them to do that. Yeah. I would like that too, I guess if, uh, you know, plus it was called, uh, meeting Malcolmus. So I thought, you know, that's would be a little bit, uh, we are to not, you know, just put a bow on it this way. <laughs> oh, this is great. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm not, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever listened to any of this or, or not, and uh, I wouldn't expect you to, but um, I'm not an, you know, an interviewer. I'm not a journalist or anything like that. I'm, you know, a fan. I am a podcaster and I do like telling stories. So I think that this is a, a, you know, you're right. Putting a bow on it is a, is a great way to do it. So I've got a few questions I want to ask if if that's cool. Um, so the first question, which is going to run into, uh, another question at some point is, uh, April 20th is coming up and that's the 30th anniversary of Slanted and Enchanted. Any Mm -hmm. cool plans, maybe a cake or something. Um, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, yeah, certainly that was a start of, um, a different, different relationship to, uh, music culture for pavement and like kind of the beginning of what it is now, which is like a, a lifelong, um, primary, (laughs) pursuit economically and mainly you know like that's when we got some some attention and we're like uh we were going to be um have to put together a touring or we you know we were like well we 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 should start touring and maybe quit our day jobs type stuff so um yeah up to that yeah, up to that point, 
we were just kind of in, existing as a um to to make uh records as a a document or just to be sort of forgotten and then rediscovered like stuff that we were into at the time which were you know more maybe more obscure music that was not that i mean it's not so far from the velvet underground or something where you know we're kind of saying well you know maybe someday this will be thought of as odd and um art art artistic and it will always exist um in obscure music but as it turned out uh when we did slant enchanted we um realized there was a like a not necessarily a market but like ears for a new uh new uh music for our um cohorts and stuff they were like ready for it um and yeah you know like college kids and totally. college radio listeners were ready or whatever it was at the time you know it it fit in so yeah we got some attention and here we are today talking about it 30 years later yeah that's that's bananas <laughs> Know. You know, I, I read an article, like, it, it was a while ago, and it was about how bands used to shy away from, you know, when they were formed, because they didn't want, you know, these milestones to be marked, because um, it was sort of uncool. And it was around the time that Pearl Jam turned 20, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and it was like, Pearl Jam is out here celebrating turning 20, and you know, the Rolling Stones would have like absolutely died over that, you know, they would have died. But that leads to my next question, which mm -hmm. sort of, again, counteracts my previous question, which was asking about the past. And it's how hard is it moving? How hard is it moving forward and growing as an artist when we live in a time that is so goddamn nostalgic and milestone driven? So for example, in 2018, 2019 and 2020, you released a triumvirate of springtime records that were all very different from one another, and two of which were pretty big departures for you. Was this yeah. was this strategic creatively, knowing that you were about to devote a year to waxing historic on the road with pavement? Um, not really. I, the pavement was not. We hadn't. Um, maybe there were some talks about about. Uh, well, you know, I'd sort of told the guys that we could wait like 10 years if it felt right, do it all over again. Um, and because I, yeah, I was busy with my family, my kids growing up and also other musical endeavors that like those three records wasn't really thinking about it in relationship to pavement specifically. Um, I mean, every, a lot of, uh, music that I like is, um, 
Well, you know, it pays uh, tribute to uh, influences and uh, nostalgic um, feelings that you have when you first heard certain music. You know, you're influenced by it. And um, so I think that's sort of baked into the um, equation. But how you, I mean, I guess it's sort of a, slope of um what is um how you you know how you do it how you uh how you um take your influences or your nostalgia um vibes which we all have and how how you uh i wouldn't say make it new but just um be clever about it um make it uh interesting instead of uh purely um just pure nostalgia or just uh using signifiers of of certain eras and just maybe trying to get it so right that it um becomes uh almost kitschy um so i guess i don't know i went on a different direction than what you were saying no 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 (laughs) no um i mean I like any, any getting under the hood with songwriting is, you know, kind of a, a cool thing for a nerd like me. Um, yeah, I think often, uh, you know, it's a sort of a, sometimes you want to, um, be contrary. I want to be a little contrarian or, uh, rewrite history and, um, with a different, a different narrative of like what, how it, goes or how it could have gone so and that would be like you know just saying saying like something like a band like uh faust or can when i was a young person saying like in your mind those are um better bigger than the beatles or something you know or better you know which is not everyone was wanting to sound like Sergeant Pepper at some moment, but mm-hmm. meanwhile, these other things were going on. They were actually better. So, um, or, and, uh, I don't know. There's certain, and w- we see that in our culture anyway, where someone like Iggy pop, uh, just using him as an example is, a uh, now, you know, he's, was not particularly uh financially successful in the or didn't sell a lot or people didn't know exactly who he was but as we stand now he he's like uh you know as big as paul mccartney in some in some ways you know filling a different space but right yeah how how many how many songs will you guys take on the road for pavement reunion for pavement reunion uh a lot is the idea um oh cool virtually everything's on the table unless it's too hard to uh too hard to replicate or maybe too much of a studio um one man band experiment we might not do some of those, but yeah, I think anything's, uh, we're bringing, uh, 
a friend of mine, Rebecca, on the uh, keyboards, and so she's going to play a lot of the piano and mellotrons and things that I played originally, and uh, so that gives oh. us more more um, width in the catalog. Yeah. Um, because I'm not a, I'm just the piano player that plays to the track and I can make decent parts, but I can't play it live. Um, I have to just like figure it out and do it. I can't even remember the chords The you know, I just put my hands on there. So she's going to be there that leaves, you know, songs like motion suggests itself or transport is arranged. They have kind of important keyboard parts. It gives us options to do those kind of songs that we wouldn't have really <clears throat> we didn't bother trying to do back in the day um <clears throat> so i in the end we have to get down there and rehearse which is going to be for a long long time in may uh, many days we're going to like be together trying to uh figure out what works so that'll that'll be a reason that'll be a decision too what we what we play well Will there be a tune-up show? Uh, I don't think so. No, um, right. First show's in uh, maybe in uh, a small one in Spain or something. But I, I haven't. It's kind of hard to arrange. So we have uh, rehearsals here in Portland and then some fancier rehearsals on a stage for... Um, our uh, backline lighting lights and stuff, you know. Oh, um, yeah. So we're we're <clears throat> putting some production values into into it, you know. To um, I don't know. It's warranted by the ticket prices and uh, how big we're playing. So <laughs> you're playing you're 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 playing Massey Hall here in Toronto. I love it. I don't know if you've ever played Massey or been to it, but it's a historic building. Uh, it, it's just, it survived the pandemic because it was under renovations for the last three years. So they've restored it to all its uh, beautiful glory. And you guys will be amongst the, uh, you know, amongst the introductory acts. Awesome. Yeah. Our booking agent, our booking agent is a uh, pretty, um, you know, he, he, uh, that's what they care about is the right place to put people, um, the right place to put their artists. So, uh, and he's from Windsor originally. So I'm sure he picked like the best place in, um, in Canada. It's definitely up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah. Um, how much time do you, how much time do you have? Cause I don't, I definitely don't want to, you know, um, maybe like 35 more minutes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, all right. We got to talk about harness your hopes, right? Cause this is, uh, sort of strange. Um, so how has like overall speaking to harness your hopes, um, how do you feel about, you know, the algorithm? Um, fine. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, the genesis of it becoming popular is probably while well, people just want to talk about the algorithm. I, I have a feeling it was probably just somebody at Spotify who was kind of a fan of 
the band put it on a playlist and then it it was uh picked up from there i wouldn't say it was anything beyond that but i i just have a feeling that there's uh always like sort of a human element to make something that small uh that like sort of forgotten um be the most popular song on uh, streaming platforms i have a feeling there was somebody middle management playlist person at spotify that was like i love this song and uh, <laughs> you know it doesn't mean that it would like catch on so big but it definitely i mean it's an odd thing to um with everybody in this business you don't really know what your break's gonna be and you come from nothing to something uh sort of quickly often um you know, I've known people like uh, MIA, uh, Maya. You know, I, I saw her before she was a, uh, and she wasn't even a musician yet. And then, like, and I wouldn't say she wasn't a musician, but it wasn't her. Uh, she wasn't thinking of that was going to be her calling. She was like a fashion, into fashion and just sort of into arts generally. And then, like, a year later, um, or two, she was like on the Super Bowl, um, performing. So, um, and a band like Guided by Voices, I was just reading a little thing about, um, Propeller. It was a, a record they made in the eighties that sort of started <clears throat> them on their way to notice, but there's like little steps here and there where Guided by Voices hypothetically could have stayed an unknown garage band from Dayton instead of as we know them a band that's like recognized as genius and yes. has been touring forever and um so there's little people hearing things or some breaks or whatever you call it they have to happen and so that song like harness your hopes it yeah it could have uh stayed in obscurity and not been heard by anybody like a classic b-side but for whatever reason um and not necessarily through the quality of it related to other things it just sort of catches on um yeah algorithm related too i suppose but its initial start is mysterious how it becomes or some kismet that makes it <laughs> break through it, so does it i mean does it get a does it get a leg up in the uh, uh scratching its way onto a set list by virtue of the fact that you i'm know, sure it will oh that's yeah. fun because would you guys yeah, have sure. would you guys have played it live like prior to that no i don't think so we have so many songs i w i mean i sort of forgot no, it from ba from back <laughs> in the day i i didn't uh I, uh, what the reason it wasn't on the album was, um, like it could have been on, it was in the bright in the corners. Maybe it should have been on there instead of we are underused or something. But I like, um, I, something about my singing on it. I thought that my voice was mediocre on it or something. I can't remember what it was. I on think harness? I just. Yeah, I just oh, uh, at the time I was like, my singing's like not that good, and uh, 
And it was always, I don't even know if anyone else is on the song except me and the drummer. So that sometimes that was another reason back then on right right in the corners. We wanted to um, have everyone playing on the songs was a new idea for the band instead of um, just me and the drummer and then building it up and having people drop parts in. Um, So maybe, and then there was some odd stuff that even before when we were mixing it, um, the engineer Bryce Goggin, he's a guy that is a great engineer and mixer. And he, uh, in the part that's, my heart's wide open. He like cut tape out of the, um, there were some tempo issues that were really glaring on the drums. Um, and ba- or it was maybe a decision of how to play it mixed with performance and it sounded wrong, but he, uh, cut out tape in this old school way that now you would just use pro tools and, um, <clears throat> make a couple of, a couple of X's over the, and edit it. But back then it was still, and he made it sound really cool. It was his idea, I think, or our idea. And then it, the song kind of came together, but by then I already had in my mind what was going to go on the record. Gotcha. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about Brighton for a minute because it just turned 25. And, uh, I've got some accolades that I wrote down here. Pitchfork says the underrated record that signaled pavement, the rock band turned toward the serious and mature uh, side was released 25 years ago today. I don't know if you know this, but it's Jules second favorite record of 1997 in between Bob Bob Dylan and Radiohead. So some pretty good company. Um, and Rob Sheffield called it the ultimate pavement record. Yeah, Rob's uh, always been an ally of mine. I've, he actually lived in Charlottesville when I was uh, going to school there. Um, I think his wife at the time, um, she passed away, but I think she was teaching or studying there. Um, so, yeah, he. I think... Uh, it was perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect. I, it's a perfect record. Yeah, I thought a lot of stuff came out good on it. I think uh, there's weird stuff with the some of the singing. Occasionally, I was um, sort of into the incredible string band, and I I was really sometimes trying to push my voice and uh, like on type slowly, and I sometimes was maybe going off too much. Um, <laughs> But I think, and then I like, you know, maybe Shady Lane. I remember doing that song, and it is good, but um, we had recorded it, like, the first day, and and I was like, okay, it's done. And um, then we listened back, and then other people had to say, you know what, that's, like, a little slow and, like, kind of weak. You got to do that one again, you know? So, like, I don't. Uh, thank God someone did. It, it is better, but s- I guess uh, what I'm saying is sometimes you have some some blind spots in what you're doing that, in retrospect, you wish you could uh, 
fixed. But then, you know, other tunes like Embassy Row, I mean, where did that come from? I'm happy that one's on there. And yeah, uh, Finn, the last song, you know, that guitar solo at the end is very lucky. Uh, good solo. Um, just that, no plan. That, no plan. Just for the moment? It. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Those are... Um, yeah, maybe there was one take or two takes, but uh, yeah, just step step up to bat and see what comes out. So, um, some some of those good things happen when there's other people in the studio and you're kind of trying to um, you're playing to. It's like playing to an audience, but just an audience of three instead of three thousand. But you <laughs> you get uh, or three hundred, but you get. Uh, Sometimes you get good performances from that when you know, like people are hanging out in the in the room and you're just, other other things happen when no one's there. It's just like you and the engineer. Um, but that was one I remember. I was like, yeah, well, it, I need to show them how to play with feeling or whatever. That's really cool <laughs> to hear it from your perspective because clearly, like it landed. You know what I mean? Like it it totally landed and for you to say that in the studio you recorded it and and sort of felt that that's uh that's a what a great feeling that must be yeah well yeah bright uh the engineer bryce he was really good to work with too he always um uh, like um would appreciate things that were non non-traditional um not everything had to be, I mean, he just, luckily he probably said do that Shady Lane again, but also, um, I think he was just like, would take what I gave him and like, just assume it was good. I mean, I'll give him credit that it, maybe it was good, but also some, there are times people would be like, uh, you can do better, like do another one. There's lots of times like that. Um, you could sing that again and maybe you get a good result, but also maybe um, some spontaneity is lost in those times. Um, I got to guess that's part of like learning the whole studio job though, right? Like, you know, you're a band and one day you're playing on the stage in a high school, you know, or whatever. And the next day you're going into a studio. Um, I'm guessing that that, that level of skill that, you know, is needed to be in a studio evolves over time, you know, and, and, and yeah. Adds. Well, I mean, there's tons of legendary, uh, engineers that are known for their, their vibe. Like if maybe you saw that Beatles thing, there's, I think his name yeah. is Glenn Johns and he doesn't seem to be doing much except like he knows his compressors and stuff, but he dresses well and like, sure does. He worked with the Stones or something. It makes you like feel confident um, that it's going to be cool what you're doing. So, um, or you know, but obviously you want to have. I'm not trying to denigrate his engineer chops. He makes things sound <laughs> great, and you want you always want um, somebody that's uh, like with producers. I you know I would want somebody that was. Uh, a, a sonic uh, architect or something not to be um, I don't think uh, the vibe the vibe merchants like Rick Rubin or something 
I imagine he's probably kind of a vibe merchant more than a knob twiddler. Um, that might, I don't know if that's the way to go, but I would, I would tend just from a, I would tend to want to hire somebody that was like a kick-ass mixer and also, you know what I mean? Like the whole package. Right. So like, like Bryce was uh, like in in terms of, or, uh, Nigel Godrich is like that for sure. Yeah. He's a total genius. Uh, a, a genius uh, engineer um and, and we're going to get to hear some of that on the new reissue right i guess so i don't yeah. know well there's like some demos and outtakes i, I i'm pretty sure oh. are on the set list yeah i'm you sure don't I, know. I, don't, I don't know what ended up on there but like oh that, that's great <laughs> yeah, they probably could there's, I'm sure they've tried to find what they could find. I think there's less stuff like available by that point, but right. But um, I or it's lost a little bit. I mean, I had a bunch of digital audio tapes of demos, and I just couldn't find them um, for that album. I don't know where they went. They, um, but we did find some, and there's yeah. some interesting stuff. They managed to put a few on there. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's like we're all. We're all very hungry for it. We're, you know, voracious for sure. Um, okay, here's here's one for you. How is Steve Malcolmus the Jick different, uh, like a different artist than Steve Malcolmus from Pavement? So I guess like how have you grown in terms of writing songs? And and what does writing a song even look like for you? Is it is it riff? Is it cool lyrical phrase? Is it a melodic hook? Like what what does that look like for you? Um. I wouldn't really be able to, I wouldn't really differentiate too much uh, my personal practice. Uh, it's all like, I mean, I just do the same pretty much. I get different, uh, maybe I get different influences and tried some different instruments and um just like in uh, pavement, I would be aware of um, what's come before and uh, what uh, what what I do well and what I could do better, maybe. Um, so that would be on maybe more on the musical side of it, not lyrics and uh, songwriting, which um, I tend to. Uh, I sort of differentiate lyrics and uh, songwriting in my mind um the songwriting is uh sort of uh the music and it's kind of a cliche thing to talk about music or lyrics first but uh it sort of comes together uh the songwriting comes together with uh, the in- holding the instruments in your hand in your hand and sort of building building melodies and a vibe. Um, and then if something has a vibe or what, I'm just going to use that term, then I would take the time to uh, write some lyrics. <clears throat> like I'm, not, I'm probably not going to just write lyrics just to write lyrics. Um, <laughs> so that, that kind of system is the same all the way through, um, till the end. And, um, so I can't particularly differentiate. I would have to be differentiating like like a critic. Um, 
from the outside, I I wouldn't uh, I would you know have to say this is more rock or this is sure this is uh, that's fair not as lo-fi or this has a we rehearsed more or something uh, later. (laughs) Um, There's something like that. Maybe like in the jigs, we did start rehearsing more as a um, ensemble and that would be different. Oops. So I can see that, but uh, there's not really that much different for me. Sorry. Careful, whatever you're doing. <laughs> I'm making one of those nest cafes, but the water is oh, out. It looks like one of those uh, pods. It sounded far more dangerous than that, and I was just worried that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. The water what a, out of it, but I got hey. a shots. I got a um, express uh, instead of a cup. It's all good. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. The fuel is the fuel. <laughs> Okay, so it's Valentine's Day today. This is an easy. This is a. This is a tough one. You ready? It's Valentine's Day today. Mm-hmm. So, your favorite My Bloody Valentine's song. Um, I don't always know the names of their songs, but oh my god, that's okay. So I got to tell you this because I was like, what if he says, "What's your favorite?" And I was like, mm-hmm. I just know Loveless, like back to front, like right. I just know it as like one giant sort of like trip out song like yeah so i was like i looked it up i I looked up a song title to have in my back pocket because i'm the exact same way i don't think of their song titles yeah well i think uh it would be i know what you mean but the the first song on that that's like uh goes da 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 I don't know what it's called or something off the isn't anything like uh goes like but i don't know what album song it is yeah um, I, so I don't that would be, yeah they had a issue with uh spot there was a friend of mine works at spotify and she <clears throat> um was down at the this Wilco festival that we played at and she oh, was Mexico. Um, I was so jealous. Yeah, it was pretty fun, but she was there. And, uh, like as we were working, as we were hanging out there, this thing came about, about my bloody Valentine was mad <clears throat> at Spotify <clears throat> for, uh, not having their lyrics correct, which yes. I've never, even, I've never looked at the lyrics on Spotify. I would, I wouldn't even know to complain about that. I didn't even know they had lyrics on there. Um, I have a family Spotify account because my kids use it, but I don't haven't interacted with it much. And uh, we were sort of joking about how she would be uh, have a lot of like hassle when she gets back to work. And then they after that, then there was this big brouhaha over Joe Rogan. Oh, right. So I was like, then she was really fucked. Um, <laughs> So what do you think of, little did we know. What do you think about Neil Young um deciding to <laughs> uh take a stand and you know nah, it's, and it's cool if he wants catalog. if that's I'm all for artists deciding what they want to do with their catalogs basically. Yeah. Um 
I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't, uh, I also don't have a problem with, uh, Joe Rogan being on Spotify. It doesn't like, um, doesn't really, I don't, he's Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan. You know, it's not, not like, I don't think he's like substantially evil or anything compared to so many other things. So like that, that wouldn't be my tipping, tipping point. I also don't, know that much about him i've seen him a couple times and i don't know exactly what anti-vaxxers he had on there but he seems like just a non-mainstream media person for a certain class of people or something that they're they're going to get their their stuff from him that stuff no matter what is but I, i again i don't know the exact specifics I think yeah. I, does, so. I think Neil took it personally because he was like a polio kid. Yeah, he was like a kid that at four years old too. had poor. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's why I brought it up, of course. So, <laughs> all right, I got a couple. I got a couple other little questions for you because one you just answered. You answered one of my more long form questions, which was, you know, has the algorithm uh, influenced the way you listen to music at all? But you made that very clear that. Uh, you don't really interact with Spotify or Apple. Not much. Um, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't, I mean, I've seen some good from it with my my daughter, uh, would, um, have some, like she had a Sun City Girls song on her playlist. And I was like, where did that come? I wouldn't, she would, I don't think she, it's not like she's looking at forced exposure or some, uh, to find out about the history of the sun city girls, but I, I, they have some great songs and I was like, that's cool that you are, you have them on your list. And she couldn't even really say, she's like, I just heard it and I liked it. And, uh, so, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. Not all death and gloom in the, in the algorithm world. I think the algorithm can be that cool dude that like used to work at the record shop that would like tip you off to things, but it mm-hmm. can also be, it can also be the asshole that worked at like, um, uh, tower. You know what I mean? Like that's true. Right? Plus like, I think, uh, kids, these, this younger generation of, uh, zoomers or whatever you want to call them. They seem like, um, I mean, maybe I'm biased cause they like, things from the nineties and I have a couple of them in my house. Um, <laughs> but they just seem, uh, cool. Like, or just, uh, I relate better to them than I did, uh, millennials in a certain way. Um, not in all ways, but yeah. they, they seemed clever in a different, in some way. Uh, I don't, I don't want to like get into a generational piss fight, but these, these kids, <laughs> I sort of trust them to listen to they don't really feel like they're being gamed by the the algorithm. They like know what it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think so. They don't um, yeah. I mean, I try to give people credit that are with Joe Rogan that way too or something, but right. yeah. <laughs> apparently yeah. it's not um <laughs> apparently we can't or um but yeah, so I don't really bother. Doesn't really bother. And also, they get uh, extreme. They get like bored by it too. It's not like they're um, 
I guess the same kind of story. They're not like slaves to it, you know. It's just like they've already. She sort of moved on from Spotify in a certain way, or it's it's just right. It's not like how she finds out about the world. Um, it's I I guess there's going to have to be some new uh, new algorithm or new way of presenting it, and they'll be psyched about it again. But well, I think it looks like it's it it looks like it's happening, and it looks like it's vinyl. <clears throat> Well, CDs are back in too. Well, so are cassettes to a certain degree, but like, I mean, that neither of those two things makes as much sense to me as vinyl, you know, like, because you can gussy it up and make it sound prettier and, um, you know, in your own house, like with, with different equipment and like, it, it seems like the manufacturers and the, the apparatus should be all for this, but what do I know? Yeah. Uh, okay. So there is a, Another pavement podcast out there. I don't know if you know of this podcast, mm-hmm. but it's called the Pavement Conundrum, and they're amazing. They're in the UK. They're in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So they're in Scotland. Sorry, I need to. I'll edit that out. They're not in the UK. They're in Scotland, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and they're also in Australia. So they're they're in a couple different places. So my first question would be: Will you guys make it to Australia? And you can hold you can hold that thought. The second question is um, the 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 bulk of this question is that they intro each of their shows by saying, welcome to the pavement conundrum, uh, where we talk about prominent U S indie rock band pavement. So prominent indie rock, prominent U S indie rock band pavement. My show, I start by saying where we're here to discuss the seminal, where we're here to discuss the catalog of seminal indie rock band pavement. So my mm-hmm. question to you, Steve Malcolmus, is which which is better, prominent or seminal? Which would you prefer? Um, I don't know. Uh, seminal sometimes makes me think of semen. So yes, yes, like, I know. There's that. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I like seminal things though. Uh, as the the real uh, what it really means. Uh, prominent is uh there's a little bit more of a um it sounds a little bit like you're in the in your society and you're at the town the town meeting and you you come up to like speak uh about an issue and they say he's like a prominent member of the society (laughs) Um, so um which is nice uh if if it's earned you probably Um, get fancy cheeses yeah, you know, when you earn through, uh, you know, um, moral character and and not just like uh, through being a crooked politician or <clears throat> like a crypto billionaire or something. Who's, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to be that prominent or, you know, Scrooge might be prominent, you know, but he's not seminal. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I I would right, just so say, it's a so it's a, so it's say a prominent, prominent yet seminal. There it is, from the horse's That's mouth. A political answer. <laughs> you don't want to offend the fan base of the, you know. Uh, I'm sure they're actually my like most of my listeners are in the UK, uh, and Interesting. Europe, and and Europe. Yeah, yeah, and I'm in Toronto. So, okay, so there's oh. a po- there's a popular pub game 
that people play that has been modified by my friend uh, Marchika guitarist Pete Marchika and given to me. He calls this game Listen To, Jam With, and Mute. So I'll do mm-hmm. the same. So I'm going to name a trio of acts, and you have to name which one you would listen to, which one you would like to jam with, and which one you would likely mute. Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. First trio. First trio. Mick Jagger, Brian, w- Brian Wilson, Paul McCartney. Um, I would jam with uh, Mick Jagger. Um, I know it's like not the right answer, but, and I would mute uh, Paul McCartney. And what was the third one? Brian Wilson. And what was, what would he do? Oh, he would play. You would play. You would listen to. I would just watch him play. You would just, li- uh, you would just listen to a record. Or hang out with him. Yeah, I guess that would be it. I would just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little tired of, Paul McCartney, he's obviously amazing for so many reasons. Uh, there's nothing, there's no shame in like one guy muting Paul McCartney. <clears throat> <laughs> All right, next trio. Yeah, I'm a big Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger is like my favorite of those of those three guys. I think he's pretty underrated, like what he does. So, <clears throat> and I'm just like a big Stones fan. Um. Of those classic rock bands, uh, I would love. They're it kind would of my be, favorite. So <clears throat> it would be so wild to see SM break out like some Mick Jagger moves during like Summer Babe or something once. You know, yeah, he's a good. He can he can shimmy too, <laughs> right. little guy. Okay, the next trio: David Bowie, Lou Reed, Don Henley. Well, Don Henley's obvious mute. Uh, the other two, it's what is it? Hang out with or jam with? Oh, just listen to, listen to, listen. or jam with. Um, I guess you'd probably want to jam with David Bowie because uh, I think so I think so. Well, there'd be more to learn hypothetically about like how his working methods. I think Lou's working methods are pretty trans, pretty transparent. Um, so I wouldn't really need to see that, but. Um, it's always great to listen to some velvet. Yes. Yeah. All right. And the last one is a Canadian special. Mm-hmm. Gordon Lightfoot, Randy Bachman, or Burton Cummings. Um, who's Burton Cummings? I'm supposed to know that. The guess who? Okay. Well, he can. Randy Bachman <laughs> and Burton Cummings—they're interchangeable to me in my mind because I don't. Yeah. Pretty much. I don't really. Maybe. I mean, I do should I like. You, should, I, should I give you like a I like Canadian to, trio? Uh, they're big American women and stuff. It's cool, but it's all little like ham and eggs. Their whole thing. So. All right, I'll give you a tougher one. I'll give you a tougher one. Neil Young, Gord Downey. Um. Who's that? Gord Downey is the lead singer of a band called The Tragically Hip. Okay. Which, which, if you're like in a record know, store in the next little, little, if you're in a record store in the next little bit, uh-huh. pick up the vinyl "Day for Night." It's really good. Okay, uh, I've heard of them before. I just haven't heard them. I know yeah, that name. No. They're huge and they're really big in Canada. I know that. They're, Maybe they're pop popular here too. But 
No, they're not. They're like an arena band in Canada. They they do like they'll do a twenty date cross country arena tour in Canada. Yeah, which you know, Britain, you who have done uh, some UK tours, it's groups. like yeah, UK has groups like that too. Like the Beautiful South is one that we've never heard of here, and they're just massive there. Kind of wow. blue eyed soul. Um, yeah. So I, you know, we got Neil Young, and so I would, you know, like to jam with him, obviously. Oh, that would be so uh-huh. cool to see, especially and, uh, like you know, like uh, like crazy Neil, like when he gets when he gets just like right in the solo, and he's like all crouched down and yeah, you know, just sort of hammering at the guitar. Like I could totally see you jamming with him at that point. Like that would be just he's oh, that pretty feral, pretty feral dude. I like him. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, I love Gordon Lightfoot too. So, um, Spiral told me that you used yeah. to play Gordon Lightfoot. You would noodle Gordon Lightfoot. You would play that because for some reason, last time I talked to Spiral Stairs, he said, or I I made mention of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and he said you used to play that song. I would that- do. I'm a big fan of Gordon Lightfoot. Thank you. Oh, a cool wow. dude. I watched his he documentary cool like on uh, YouTube or something. There's he's still kicking. So he's uh, the one who opened Massey Hall when they reopened it. They they made three chord Gord. Three chord Gord came up and played like and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, he's a legend. You know, in my he's mind, a legend. I mean, he's he's, he's really he's, my parents had his album too. You know, as, along with Jim Croce and. Yeah, Elton John's greatest. He was one of our greatest hits. Um, yeah, that we had in my in my house, and I always sort of gravitated to it over the others, and um, still still sticks. So it's a cool dude. <clears throat> totally. Well, you've been super generous with your time, so I want to no thank problem. you, and I and I want to um, get you out on time so that I don't. Uh, Take you off in case I see you on the tour because I'm I'm going to the entire UK tour. Uh, well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I, I I need I need just a couple other things to fall in place. And yeah, I'm starting in Leeds and gonna work my way through. And I've never been to the UK, so and I'm going solo. So uh, you know. I mean, if you're a Pavement fan, you'll find a lot of. Uh, I imagine you'll find a lot of camaraderie there because we have pretty like um, pretty good like uh fan from the time there's a lot of like singing along to songs and um like a a british gig feel i don't know it's a little different than america um, is it because of peel still like is it because the impact i don't think so nope. i think uh i mean some of that but uh we probably earned it through some some shows and um some of the signifiers of the band there's like this kind of shaggy underdog uh mentality like of bob nostanovich and stuff and the brits uh love an underdog <laughs> yeah, um, so and I, I don't know we just uh the time that it came up uh yeah we had we had good gigs there always i don't know why you know it's a good given feed there's a lot of give and take in actual concerts uh you know, you feed off people's enthusiasm. And, um, yeah, you tend to bloom a little more when pe- people show you. I mean, that's the same for anyone, even a, a kid giving a, a recital or a speech. You know, people 
give you a couple of claps and then you're like, hey, I can, um, I can uh, <laughs> embody this now. Let's do this. Yeah. And uh, we were, some of our earlier uh, success was there and stuff. So it was nice. Uh, that was nice. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Well, thanks so much. No problem, dude. Uh, just uh, see you down the road, perhaps. And um, that's it. I'll, I'll look for you for sure. <laughs> thanks, man. All right. Bye now. Bye. Later, dude. Bye. Bye. Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast, is a weekly affair. Connect with JD at JD at meetingmalchemist.com. Please support the pod by rating, reviewing, or sponsoring us at meetingmalchemist.com. And hey, I'm social. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at meetingmalchemist. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.